Welcome to this week's energy show. You know, most solar panels are commodities, as are installation services. So it's tough to differentiate one product or one company from another. And that differentiation is the job of marketing, basically getting the word out to customers that your product or your service is better than your competitors. There's one guy in the solar industry who's carved out a name for himself when it comes to solar marketing. It's my pleasure to have Tor Valenza on our show. Tor's the chief marketing officer of solar at Impress Labs. So welcome to the show, Tor. Thanks, Barry. It's really great to be here on your show. All right, great. Well, you know, a lot of people know about your background, but tell us a little bit more about your role at Impress Labs. Well, Impress Labs is a B2B marketing company and PR agency that's been in business for about to approach our 10-year anniversary. And originally they started in the Silicon Valley for the semiconductor life science and digital world. And they were always at Semicon, which is opposite InterSolar. And they looked over one day and they said, hey, you know, we could also be in the solar industry as well. And so they developed their own clients and I had a really great relationship with them. And then we decided to merge in the beginning of the year. And essentially, I am trying to My role there is, of course, to service clients, but also trying to get the word out about Impress Lab and the great team there. I mean, they are a great execution team, and I came in with my strategy, so it's a great marriage that way. And they do – I'm trying to be as big as the semiconductor and the life science size. So so that's that's our goal. And we're going to surpass them because solar is going to keep growing as we're talking. Yeah, the trends are definitely there. Okay, so Impress Labs, I never heard of them as I've been solar so long, but I've been very impressed, actually, <laughs> at, at some of the events that they've been running and the activities that they've had at InterSolar. So what are the kinds of clients that you serve in the solar industry, manufacturers, installers, consultants? What, what's the range of clients that Impress has that, that you're now in charge of? On my side, on the solar side, so I'm the chief marketing officer of solar, and our clients are anywhere from B2B to advocacy, solar advocacy to, but we're talking about, I mean, one of our clients is Enphase, another one is a solar panel manufacturer, another one is a commercial installer, and there's also startups. So, I mean, we range the gamut, and I think, you know, for us, we embrace the term, you know, the new category, I guess, buzzword of solar plus. So anything that really touches solar that's who we want to, you know, be involved with. And and that will be from racking to storage as well as to installers. I mean, right now we don't represent any installers, but in general we're going to be representing the larger players. That's what our bandwidth is and we see ourselves as being, you know, national if not at least large regional players on the installer side. Yeah, it's pretty much of a global market. So is Impress Labs based in the Bay Area? Impress Labs is, right now we're 35 people. I would say half are based in San Francisco in the financial district, uh, but our headquarters is actually in Phoenix. And then we have bases in Portland and in Denver, as well as in London and Taiwan. Okay. So again, we're 35 people is relatively small for a company. And at the same time, it's a large reach. and, And we're, again, we're covering all of these different areas. 
and that's the other thing. We're full service. So we're not just PR. We're doing web design. We're doing content marketing and, of course, social media because that's what I'm very well known for. But there's a lot of – we've got a lot of experts with us like Tom Chaney, who's also a known entity in the solar world, previously an editor at, at PV Tech. So – we speak solar. We like right. to say that. And we get businesses. So it, it's always wonderful to be talking to installers and manufacturers who come to us for help. And they say, oh, my gosh. I mean, you guys get exactly what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, we don't have to explain, you know, yeah. the market or anything else. Like, you know what a PPA is. Right. <laughs> I've had to hire a lot of PR and marketing firms and, you know, the, the companies that I've run from small, you know, onto large public companies. And it's always challenging when you're in a new category, and I had to do this in solar a lot, is you bring on a really big PR agency, and you were their first solar client. So it's like, and I'm paying you to teach you the industry? You know, yeah. you guys should be paying me. So it, it takes time. But whoever at Impress Labs is kind of pulling the strings to figuring out who we want to bring on the team, like you and like Tom Cheney, that makes a lot of sense. So now let's talk a little bit more specifically about solar marketing. And I'm just going to kind of kick it off by asking, what are some of the best practices at installation companies. And I'm going to just ask for a breakdown of, you know, the big companies do one kind of marketing and the smaller companies do another. So just try and split it into what you see would be best for each segment. If you're talking just about installers. Just installers Installers. for now. Okay. So I think in the residential space, the best way, and, and surveys have shown this, is to activate your referral base. So you've done so many installations, and here you've got, hopefully, fans because you've done a terrific job. And if you haven't done a terrific job, that's another issue. But I'm just going to assume that you are a great solar installer. Mm -hmm. So now you've got all these fans, and everybody's excited once they go solar. But a year later, people kind of take their lower utility bills for granted, and they forget about you. And so I think the big hole that a lot of installers in the residential space, you know, miss is reminding their customers and keeping, because the sale should not end after interconnection. You should always have these extra touch points of the one-year anniversary email that says, you know, congratulations, your installation has produced excellent, especially if you're handling the monitoring, you know how much they produced, you know approximately how much they've saved. And so you can keep reminding them so that it engages with word of mouth. So that's my number one. There's always different ways to keep in contact, whether that's a check-in, a check-up, and things like that that just keeps reminding people, hey, I've got a solar system. And some people come back and say, yeah, but what if I find something wrong? So it's, well, good for you. Find something wrong, fix it, and then they'll talk about how proactive you were. Again, spurring word of mouth. Yeah, it's tempting to kind of, I mean, the referrals are good. It's tempting to duck when you talk to customers because you're afraid about them having a bad experience. But we do try every 6 to 12 months send out an email saying, we predicted that you would save, you know, 14,000 kilowatt hours right. and, and you really save 15,000 generated, 15,000 because we monitor everything. Right. And our percentage is really good. Once in a blue moon, we have one that's below. And we still send those emails out and say, and now we're going to go find out why it wasn't meeting good for our you. expectations. The other thing that's really painful, especially painful right now, is I'm replacing a lot of inverters I put in 10 mm. or 15 years ago. And that's a losing proposition. Yeah. I mean, I can't ethically charge enough money to pay for a two-man crew to go out to a site two different days because you got to diagnose and then you got to replace it and then, you know, kind of make anywhere near the same 
margin as you do an installation. But you have to do it. Yeah. Otherwise, and then the customers come back and say, well, I'm glad they're supporting it. And, you know, those are more people that are thinking, hey, there's a solar company that doesn't, didn't disappear after 10 years. Well, I mean, as you know, I mean, if you're doing something that's third-party owned in terms of a solar lease or solar PPA, you know, it's, that's their responsibility in general. If you're buying something, I mean, if you're selling and you're not using third-party, then you really do have to set those expectations and show how transparent you are about that. This inverter, if you're using a strings, is only good until it's warranted to 10. It may last 12. It may, may or may not. Um, but I'll just say that, you know, expect that in, at this time that's going to, you know, that's going to fail and that you're going to have to spend maybe 1200 or whatever. I mean, the, the, the costs are. I mean, the, I, the, you know what the number is? The, the number to replace an old string inverter is usually in, for a small one. It's about $2,500. But that's what it costs. I mean, see, that's how much we have to charge because our delivered cost by the time we buy an inverter, and these, you know, sometimes you have to reconfigure the systems because they don't make that inverter anymore. Right. Buy it, tax, freight, in the door, it's usually close to $2,000 for that inverter. Wow. And then I got to pay, you yeah. know, a crew to go there twice to put it in. Well, this may lead into other questions, but I mean, I was expecting, you know, in terms of commoditization, that inverter prices in 10 years was going to become less and less, and, you know, so that what we're paying right now is going to be less expensive. My spreadsheets than, for payback, when I did these spreadsheets 10 years ago, and I said, you know, in 12 years when you have to replace your inverter, I was putting down $1,500 because I didn't think it would be, but that's kind of... But it, it didn't go kind of, down. I think that's about to change, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, and going back, when our experience with microinverters has been the absolute opposite. I mean, over the last three years, the cinnamon solar zero. They're all working. Yeah, it's the occasional monitoring hassle, but nobody's losing any energy. And then the replacement is free to the customer for 25 years. And, yeah. and so the, very, very different. Well, again, full disclosure, Enphase mm-hmm. is our client. So like, yeah. I'll agree with all of that. And I mean, and genuinely so. Even yeah. if they weren't a client, I'm a big fan of them. They do an excellent job. Yeah. Now, what about now? How about at, at larger installers? I mean, you talked about referrals at small companies, well, and I know how that, well that works. But what about the really big guys? I, well, let me just also finish about residential in the sense that I think there is no silver bullet. I think definitely referrals and word of mouth are important. I think you have to also have a balance of social media, of something like what you're doing right now in some ways, of doing something really different, something, you know, a radio show or podcast is a great thing if that's your thing. I mean, you should, you know, Impress Labs, you know, we like to call ourselves a brand-driven agency. And I completely, completely believe that in the sense, especially I think installers are right now just as commoditized as the products in many ways. And so you have to stand out in some way that people remember you individually, not just for doing great service, but something else. And, you know, we'll we'll get into things like... Yeah, well, that's why I do the radio show, because people told me I had a face for radio. (laughs) And and so it's like, all right, let's do a solar radio show. I disagree with that. (laughs) So I think there has to be a balance of that. I personally do like radio advertising for residential. I think there's a place for that with your target markets. I mean, I've heard all sorts of hokey radio advertisements as well as, you know, really things that are, you know, 
that you can inspire in, in 20, 15 second blurb. It just is going to depend on your personality and everything else. So don't count out everything. Social media, I think, is really important, again, for spreading word of mouth. Your website is so, so, so important because you can only make one first impression. And it used to be, you know, a storefront or your business card. And now it's your website. And if you've got a website out of 2005, which I still see a lot of. In my view, there's no excuse for not spending $2,000 and hire a local guy that knows how WordPress templates work and get a bunch of pictures and, you know, jazz it up just at the very least. At the very least. I mean, I think websites can be, it's going to depend on what you want, how dynamic it has to work on mobile because people are going to be looking you up. So it's very important. On the commercial side, definitely the website still is a difference and makes a difference. And I think, you know, you're going to be going to different markets. I mean, you have also different segments. Are you a utility scale installer? Are you, again, a business installer and, you know, governments, all these other things. So that I think is a lot about relationship. I totally believe in PR in that sense, because I think, you know, you're going to be in the publications that people are reading about. So that's really important, I think, in terms of going to conferences where, again, your market is. So all of these things are definitely part of that bigger thing. And you got to have government relations if you're, you're going to be doing municipal stuff. And, and I think that goes locally, too. I mean, I, I think that's important. But I think overall PR public relations and media relations are really good. And don't forget that you control your own. Every company is now a media company. I could not have said that before I started in the business. And that's one of the reasons why I started because I saw people doing no social media. And this was the dawn of Twitter and Facebook. And all the solar companies were like doing nothing. And this was just an amazing powerful and YouTube, all of these things, you now have the power to be your own media empire. And so you should use that, especially if you're a commercial installer. You can make presentations with all of these things and you can build a community within the right social networks that are, again, important to your target market. So definitely that's my biggest advice to them. It's always a PR and it's part social media and content. Yeah, getting the social media going is tough for small guys who aren't really comfortable or who aren't tweeting all the time or, you know, who are, are on the roof or juggling. But now what about what are some of the best practices for equipment providers, module companies, inverter companies, racking companies? You know, I think a lot of it is the same thing, but in a different way. Impress Labs, we always like to say, make me care. So with an equipment manufacturer that is considered to be a commodity these days in some ways. So it's all about the lowest dollar per watt. You know, I hear that all the time. And the truth is that you can't copy your people. So that's always important. Hmm. You can't copy your years of experience. You can't copy testimonials. And by the way, testimonial is another thing for all segments. I mean, I think when you see people either talking about you or reading about, and they're genuine, then, you know, again, if I'm looking for an installer or anything through the web and I check out your website and I see a testimonial and it looked like you didn't write it yourself, then people are impressed by that. And especially if you can get it on video, that's even going to be more impressive. And then they see the kind of work that you did and everything else. So I think that's always important. And going back to, again, what everybody should have at least once a year, 
get a good SEO person to come in there. And, what, what's uh, SEO? Sorry, search engine optimization. And if anybody is searching for you in Google, which most people are going to do for those keywords, you want your website to come out, you know, sooner than later. You know, I'm not a big fan of digital ads and things like that because the conversion rate, I think that's one of the reasons why there's such a high acquisition rate for a lot of the big boys because they do spend so much on that type of brand recognition yeah, and yeah. a click. and We don't even do it anymore. It's like buying the word solar used to be like 20 cents, and now it's $20. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I'm just browsing around the web. It hides in cookies within your web browser. But every time I type in the word solar into a search engine, I'm getting bombarded with, yeah. with different ads, and that's expensive. And kind of touching on the customer acquisition costs, when I started, it was like a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars per customer, and I would add up all my sales and marketing costs, you mm-hmm. know, divide by the number of uh, kilowatts I did or watts, and that, that would be it. But now it, it's like thirty five hundred, four thousand, five thousand dollars a customer, right. and that means that the costs for the, that system went up that much. And we're just talking about a regular residential. I mean, how's how's that going to evolve or change? Well, again, that's why your referral base is gold. Because in general, I mean, you can spend $500 for a referral fee or however you want to call it because there are some legal issues about what you can call it. But in any case, but even word of mouth, I mean, I do wonder sometimes whether it's better not to offer anything in the sense of just because people just become your evangelists. We used to offer a referral fee and we just kind of felt guilty about it. And we had customers that said, hey, I'm going to make a bunch of money by getting a bunch of my friends to right. solar. Now what we do is we basically hand out business cards and give customers a discount mm-hmm. if they were referred by somebody else. And right. that's all we do. It's just a discount on the system. Yeah. And it's a lot cleaner. I like that. Yeah, that's much better. And there's a great book. It's by Dan Ariely. The The concept of behavioral economics is what makes people make purchasing decisions and, and how can you inspire that. Um, and... One of the things that that he's found is that people will do something because, again, they care about it more than than being paid to do it. They're less inclined. They're less inclined to refer you, um, essentially, if you're if they're if someone's offering you money Mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah, yeah. They'd rather do it themselves voluntarily. You almost need research to prove that, but we kind of got that sense, and that's good. Now, we talked about some of the good practices. Tell me about some of the solar marketing goofs or blunders, I mean, keeping the companies out of it. What are some of the goofy things that companies have tried to do? Again, I kind of see marketing 1.0 a lot in the solar world. So I see people do ads that sound like they're sell, 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 not inspire, make me care, make me care. So it's all about, you know, people are selling on price instead of value, instead of on the things that would make a residential. Now, savings, everybody knows that everybody cares about savings. There's no question about that. So I've just seen advertisements that look like they came out of some type of flyer, billboards, the same thing, that that seem like they're some kind of used car salesman. And I just cringe at those, you know. I mean, again, I don't want to – because there are a lot of them in the Bay Area, so I don't want to, you know, be be cringe. Um, So I think also videos do the same thing. People become derivative. They see something in the non-solar world that they think has worked because they've seen it so many times because people bought airtime for it. And 
they do it. So these fake talk shows that people do, you know, about solar. and they, Infomercials they, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Now let's spin it more towards manufacturers and the, the supply chain. What about goofs that you've seen at Solar Power International or Intersolar, marketing efforts that just backfired or just were inappropriate? Right. So I've written about this so people can go to my archive blogs on Renewable Energy World and the Unthink Solar site. So there was a solar manufacturer who insisted on making these very, very elaborate disco world (laughs) booths with booth babes. And in America, booth babes just don't work anymore. I I think it's clearly sexist. We have more and more women in the solar world, and it's just silly, honestly. I think the worst thing is that they just stand there, these very beautiful women, and they hand out a brochure. But if you ask them anything about solar, they can't tell you anything. So there was one booth that they had at Intersolar where they had these women because it had a tiger theme or a panther theme. They had these women in cat suits in cages. So that was one of the really big blunders that I... Yeah, and you know, I could say that the industry got slapped upside the head and is more enlightened now than they were before. And there's actually standards at SPI as far as what's kind of appropriate and inappropriate. Not that some of the booth babes don't kind of creep in, but they're kind of there. Yeah, they're still there now. But I think it's definitely less of a standard. I think, you know, we just have a different culture than Europe. So It's different. Yeah, in air solar in Germany is very different. We're kind of coming towards the end of the show. Oh, Tell us shoot. a little bit about. No, it's okay. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the solar industry, and you know what are some of your trademarks. So, people don't realize this, but I was actually wanted to become a solar engineer when I was a kid. I thought it was just fascinating to turn solar into free electricity. I was just you know, so I wanted to be a solar engineer. Yada, 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 took calculus, took physics, and then I realized I was not going to be a solar engineer because <laughs> I was just not doing really well at those things. So actually, I wrote for film and TV professionally for years. So if you're a Stargate fan, please do hit that replay button because I get a five cents every time you do. <laughs> but in any case, then when I saw a double feature of An Inconvenient Truth and Kill the Electric Car, I was just like, Wow. You know, this is, it's time to get back into it, and I can use my mm-hmm. communication skills. So I did, and it was the dawn of social media. And, you know, Solar Tour did not make sense. I was going to, I was picking a Twitter handle, and I just knew that people just would not get that. Mm-hmm. I get questions about Solar Tour. So I picked Fred because it was kind of an ironic name, and it was kind of ask me later, but I have a inside joke with my wife about Fred. So it's just a natural mm-hmm. name for me, and, and people started to do it. And then people started to notice me for my hat because that was my icon on my Twitter icon. And the reason why I wear the hat all the time is because it's a reflection of my customers. So my customers at the time were trying to speak to solar installers, and I wanted to reflect them. And a lot of time they have a baseball cap on. And so I always have an unbranded baseball cap because I'm not going to be branded myself. Mm -hmm. I want to help other people brand. But if I go to a conference and everything else, people will always recognize me from my cap. Off the clock, I don't wear a hat and I'm actually very much hair challenged. I don't mind that. (laughs) Uh, That's what people know me for. But when I'm Solar Fred, I wear the cap and it's my personal brand. And I think that everybody should have a personal brand. Good. So in addition to looking for the guy with the hat, how can companies get in touch with you? (laughs) They can contact me directly at 
tour at impresslabs.com. That's really the best way to do it. There's also numbers on our website, impresslabs.com or on thingseller.com, but really that's the best way, and then we can set a time to talk. Great. So thanks, Barry. All right, that's good. That's all the time we've got, and thanks, Tor, for joining us. Great discussion today. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcast. Thank you.